Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. What am I doing here? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Found yourself in a setting where you just felt completely out of place, wondering how it was you you ended up there. Or maybe it wasn't a, a setting, but a season, a season of life that you never saw coming that you weren't prepared for. But out of nowhere, it comes, and and, and you're in it now, and you're just trying to grapple, (laughs) trying to get your feet planted. It feels disorienting and and chaotic, or maybe a little bit random or, or, or purposeless. And you find yourself asking, what am I doing here? I don't know if I said that out loud, but I must have thought it a couple times in the summer of 2013. Where was I? I was at Camp Luther, actually, (laughs) serving as a camp counselor for the summer. Now, that's normally a position for someone who's in college. And if it's your first time serving at camp, you're probably a sophomore or even a freshman. Maybe you even did some uh, 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 junior counseling as a high schooler for a couple years. And so this whole counseling thing, being a camp counselor, is nothing new to you. But that was not my story. I was 23. I had a degree from a university uh, in business. I, I had tried to go out to Colorado and become a successful businessman. But those plans uh, fell through. (laughs) Uh, The company I worked for downsized. They cut a number of employees, and and I was one of them. And so without an income, I had moved back home to my folks' place in Wisconsin. An opportunity to work at a summer camp came up, so I took it. And so there I was, uh, surrounded by 40 or so kids who were were younger than me, but who knew way more than me about what it means to be a camp counselor. What am I doing here? Uh, (laughs) It was all a little bit disorienting, uh, a little chaotic, and I really wasn't sure what was going on. Well, maybe, maybe you felt that way this morning, as you heard our epistle reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, right? We read the, the whole chapter, and maybe as we were reading it, you were thinking, where am I? What's going on here? Right? It was kind of a lot, I'll, I'll admit it. Uh, we heard a whole bunch of different stuff, random stuff, from Paul in our reading today. Uh, we heard instructions from Paul for how the Corinthian congregation could gather an offering and and give generously. We heard updates from Paul about his his travel plans and the travel plans of a couple other guys, Timothy and Apollos. Uh, There were Paul's hopeful expectations to to meet some of the people who were going to be sent from the Corinthian church, Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus. And then there were greetings that were 
conveyed and relayed by Paul uh, to the Corinthian church from himself and from other Christians in the churches in Rome and in, in Asia. It was a lot and maybe a little bit disorienting. But what we see in this chapter is a glimpse of the mission that Paul and the, the Corinthian church was wrapped up in, was engaged in. They were all for one mission. And what was their mission? It was to spread the good news, the gospel message of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, right? That Jesus was Lord over sin and death. And their mission was to live out the gospel as well, to be the body of Christ. Jesus had resurrected from the death. He had defeated death. His followers, his disciples, had not only seen his crucifixion, but they had seen him buried in a tomb. And then after that, saw him walking around, coming back to them, teaching them, they saw a dead man walking. You can't see that and not be changed. The resurrection changes everything. Which is why we heard Peter in our first reading uh, preaching to a crowd of over 3,000 people telling them to repent and be baptized and believe in this Savior, this man Jesus, because he had risen from the dead. He had brought salvation to the world. That first Easter had propelled uh, the disciples out into the world to go and spread this word. They were on a mission because the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. The resurrection is not something that we can just marvel at and be impressed by and then do nothing about it. The resurrection shatters reality. There is life after death. There is hope for a world crippled by guilt, by sin and, and brokenness. There's restoration, and that restoration sends us into the world. Uh, much like if you had discovered a, a cure for a, a raging disease, right? If you discovered a cure for a disease that you and others had, you wouldn't simply treat yourselves. You would want to spread that cure. You would take that cure to everyone you know so that they could also be healed. And in a year <laughs> like this last year, I think we understand the kind of motivation we would have if we, if we had a cure for a disease that we could go out and just, and just spread. Well, the resurrection is this statement, that a cure has been discovered for the things most destructive in our world, sin and death and evil. And so after Jesus' resurrection, there's an explosion of people going out and spreading this cure, this good news, because the resurrection had changed everything. And this is why Paul is sharing what he's sharing in chapter 16. 
it's all connected to the resurrection, and it's related to this, this mission. Uh, these are marching orders, so to speak, for the Corinthian church. Uh, instructions and updates on what the church was doing at large, how God was moving, how the body of Christ was, was working in the world. Uh, that offering that they were taking up, that was going to be sent to their Christian brothers in Jerusalem uh, who had undergone a, a severe famine in the land, uh, were poor and starving. The Corinthian church, the body of Christ, was going to suffer together with, with those brothers suffering send them some of their own means so they get back on their feet and continue this mission of spreading the good news of Jesus to the world. This is what Paul's travel plans and those of Timothy and Apollos were about. These guys were missionaries, right? They were on the front lines of advancing this gospel message uh, throughout the world, beyond Jerusalem and Judea. And even in this letter, like Pastor Aaron mentioned, 20 years or so after Jesus' resurrection, already the church had spread to churches up in Asia, we hear. That's modern-day Turkey. That's a thousand miles from where this gospel movement started in Jerusalem on that first Easter morning. God was at work and on the move working through his church, gathered in Jerusalem and Corinth and in Asia and going beyond. And God is still on the move today. His mission continues. The Corinthian mission is our mission. And yet in the church today, so many Christians have lost sight of this great mission, this cure, the word of the gospel of the resurrection, once so rapidly spreading throughout the entire world, has started to wane in our land. A Barna Group, a Christian research organization, recently took a poll of church-going Christians in America, and they asked them if they had ever heard of the Great Commission. Have you? The Great Commission is the phrase used to describe Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. Uh, they were Jesus' marching orders to his disciples. And what Barna Group found was that 51%, more than half, of church going Christians had never heard of the Great Commission. And what's more, of those who had heard of the Great Commission, about half that group couldn't tell you what it meant. Only 17% of those surveyed could actually tell someone else what the Great Commission was and, and what it meant. My dear Christian friends, that's deplorable. <laughs> And not only for followers of Christ, for people who say they follow Christ, but, but also for leaders in the church, those called to train and equip Christians and followers of Jesus for pastors in America. You know, it's this kind of statistic that it makes me wonder if there aren't lots of people sitting in churches around the country today thinking, 
what am I doing here? Because without this great mission, the church doesn't have really anything to offer the world that's unique. No alternative way of being that is formed by a God who has redeemed us and saved us. No service that we can provide that that no other nonprofit organization couldn't uh, uh, provide themselves. Our identity as church is wrapped up in this great commission. Without it, one wonders if we've lost sight of the resurrection and what it means for us and for the world. So today, here at St. Peter and Paul Lutheran Church, we're going to raise that statistic. We're going to raise the statistic because we are all for one mission, and it's a co-mission. It's a mission that Jesus started in His earthly ministry, but then passed on to His disciples. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you say you follow Jesus, that makes you a disciple. And so you too are are given this divine assignment, this co-mission from Jesus himself. And we heard the Great Commission in our gospel reading today. Let's speak it all together uh, right now. Read the words uh, on the screen with me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Go and make disciples, Jesus says. Share with others what you know about me. Share with others the the, the impact that I've made in your life because of my life and my death and my resurrection for you. And teach others, teach others my way. And of course, that means that we ourselves need to be familiar with Jesus' ways. We need to hear from Him in His Word. We must listen to Jesus, not as just one more voice lost in the crowd, not as just one more opinion, but listen to Him as Lord, Master, King over us. Treat Him as the one who actually has been given all authority and take Him seriously when He commands us to share Him with others. Now, if at this point you're feeling a little weighed down by this Great Commission task, if you're feeling cut to the heart or uh, maybe even wondering, based on your own negligence of this command or, or difficulty in, in living it out in your own life, if you're wondering, well, what am I doing here? As if you're unfit for this task, well, then we need to hone in on two key things that are in the Great Commission. The first is the line, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. These words not only describe the process of onboarding new disciples, right, the gracious act of God we call 
baptism, they also serve as a reminder to everyone who is already in the church of their identity, of your identity. You are a child of God. God has claimed you as His own through the waters of baptism and the word, your birth into His family. The Father has claimed you. And do you remember what the Father, God the Father said to Jesus when He was baptized? He said, Behold, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. In your baptism, God speaks those words to you. God loves you. You are His beloved. He desires you. He favors you so much that He was willing to give up everything for you. You are His precious child. And notice in the Great Commission that these words, they come before the command to go and tell others to obey Jesus' ways. We don't earn God's favor by our obedience to His commands. He loves you just as you are. He already favors you. And He has welcomed you into His family. But just like any child, right, born into any family that that the mother and father dote upon and love, we also want our children to grow up, to become mature, to become productive members of our family and of society, right? And in a very similar way, God desires that same thing for us spiritually. He wants us to be formed and fashioned by His instruction so that we grow up and so that we can be a gift to the world, not to earn His favor. We already have that. He already favors you. But so that you can go and bless His world. Right? And that was His mission right from the start, all the way back to Abraham. Bless all the families of the world. The second thing we should hone in on in this great commission is what comes right after Jesus' instructions to go and, and tell others to obey what He has commanded. And that's Jesus' final words. We didn't read them uh, before, so let's read them now. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And Jesus is not sending you out alone. Jesus himself is with you. Jesus is already out there at work in the world, working on people's hearts, softening them to his gospel. But he sends us out as well to speak this message of salvation, this resurrection cure that he has won for us. And he goes with you. When you eat and drink his body, you have Jesus, his very presence, coursing through your veins. Jesus is with you. And as you chew on his word and and take to heart his commandments and his promises for you, he will make you more and more into his image. Jesus is with you. And it's clear that he was with us and with his early disciples because there's no other way that that scruffy band of fishermen could have carried out the first legs of this mission. 
with a Roman Empire that was dead set on destroying Christianity. And there's no other way that this Corinthian church, with all of its moral shortcomings and divisive culture that we've heard so much about in this sermon series, there's no way that that church could have survived long enough to receive this letter from Paul. And the one before it, that's right, this is actually technically 2 Corinthians, we just don't have a copy of uh, the first letter that Paul sent them, Uh, or the letter after this, which we do call 2 Corinthians, or the letter after that, which came from a guy named Clement, he was the bishop of Rome 30 years after this letter, who wrote another message to the Corinthian church. There's no way they could have survived that long, this messed up Corinthian church, so off task from this great commission calling, unless Jesus was with them. And He was. (laughs) And He was using them, not because they were perfect, (laughs) far from it, but using them in spite of their imperfections. If God could use a people like that, and a church like that, why not us? You know, back when I was 23 and found myself as a camp counselor there at Camp Luther, I didn't see the connection uh, between my life and God's mission. To be honest, I really didn't have any sight of this uh, Great Commission task. Uh, Honestly, at the time, I was distracted by a lot of other things. (laughs) My life felt kind of random and chaotic and, and a little bit purposeless. And instead of treating Jesus and His mission as the center of my life, instead of orbiting my life around that, uh, more often I treated myself as the center of the universe. And oftentimes I still do. I didn't really know what I was doing then, and so often I don't now. But God knew what He was doing. He surrounded me with Christian brothers and sisters and even pastors of the week who set my feet on a, on a pathway towards the seminary. And even though the, my seminary journey was just as windy as my college years and my camp years, uh, somehow, some way, he got me through those and led me here to this place, to you. I have again been surrounded by Christian brothers and sisters who inspire and encourage me in following the commands and clinging to the promises of Jesus and sharing Him with my world. And God is at work in your life as well. He has placed you where you are in connection to His mission. And He knows what He's doing. God has placed and is placing various people in your life who don't yet know this gospel message, who haven't yet experienced the forgiveness of sins that you have, who don't yet have the cure. He's placed people in your life who have yet to to hear of this resurrection story and are yet to believe in the gospel and be changed by it. But the good news for them is that the good news is with you. 
And God is sending you to them to continue this mission. Why are we here? What are we doing here? We are all for one mission. In Jesus' name, amen.